What is up and welcome in to Talking Flock, a full Mingo podcast, talking everything forward Madison FC. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me as always from Madison 365, Mr. Rob Chapel. Rob, what's up? Doing good. Spring has sprung. Mingos are unbeaten. Yes. Life is good. Life is good. Um, this is episode 29 of the podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please do that. If you haven't left us a rating and review on your preferred platform, please do that. And if you haven't followed us on Twitter, if you're on Twitter and you haven't followed at Talking Flock, you might want to do that as well. Um, a lot to get to. We have, of course, the 3-0 win over Cleveland to talk about, the 2-2 draw with Omaha to talk about, and a pretty big matchup coming up in the next round mm-hmm. of the Open Cup for the Mingos. Facing a little-known side called Minnesota United uh, <laughs> at Bree Stevens. That's going to be a lot of fun. So we That's will get to fantastic. all of that as we move on in the podcast. But first things first, Rob. 3-0 over Cleveland yep. in the U.S. Open Cup. Not exactly a uh, you know a shellacking, if you will. But, I mean, we, we said on uh, last week's show that this Cleveland SC side was was pretty solid, especially mm-hmm. defensively. Yes. Um, they weren't really going to let teams run away from them on the scoreboard. Nope. Um, so a 3-0 win against that kind of side, albeit a fourth division side, um, still, I would say, a, a fairly comfortable win in the end for Madison, um, considering mm-hmm. the opponent. Comfortable is a good way to say it. You, you know, I don't think you need to score six or seven goals to call it comfortable because they, they didn't dominate the match. They dominated the possession. Cleveland didn't have any real credible chances the entire 90 minutes. I think, uh, unfortunately, we, the stats of these U.S. Open Cups are a little bit harder to get at, but I don't think Reno had more than a couple of saves uh, mm-hmm. for Madison. So it was it was a dominant performance, but Cleveland did what they did against Chicago United FC, which was sit back, frustrate the attack. Like Chicago like kept starting to get into the uh, attacking third and just could not even create a chance in there because Cleveland yeah. was just so disciplined defensively and just frustrated them. And they did that to Madison for the first, I don't know, 15 minutes mm-hmm. or so. And we started to get some chances. About the 15th minute, Roger Smith put one over. Um, Connor Cable is a heck of a good goalie. Uh, he, he managed to snuff out a couple of chances. But... Um, uh, you know, give credit to Cleveland for that. They, they they came in here with a plan. They executed their plan. And then Madison just had a little bit more pace uh, and, and more skill than they did. Um, and in the 37th minute, um, Alan Torres, which we should mention, one thing about this match is that you did see some guys that you haven't seen yet and you probably won't see much of this year. You saw Carl Schneider, yep. Heath Martin, Alan Torres uh, getting the starts, you know, with the three matches and, seven days um you, know, you, you kind of get some rotation in there but alan torres gets a really nice long ball almost from the center line up over the top of the defense and justin suko was able to gather it beautifully yeah uh, and we'll talk i think well, i'm gonna talk a little bit more about those long balls and a little later but it was a beautiful pass in um he and suko you know one-on-one with cable and cable actually got a hand to it yeah but it had too much uh pace on it and it went in and that was um that was the start. And then, you know, less than 10 minutes later, we get a corner in stoppage time of the first half and give a tap, uh, tip of the hat to Neil Lavity and his set piece design. Yeah, it was, if you watch it, it was a clever, it was a clever set piece. Not didn't overthink it, but just a, a simple switch of runners. Got Cyrus Rod into the box 
And actually, it was well defended. You get the corner in, and Cyrus Rod is just a tall, taller guy, and he outlapped the defender, put it back across the box for Murillo, who had just an immaculate finish on yeah. that goal, a, a left-footed volley straight out of the air, and nothing kind of capable to do about it. And we go into the half up 2-0. Um, and then we finish it off with Nazim Bartman uh, from Torres. Alan Torres, again, gets the ball in the middle of the pitch. Nobody challenges him, and he says, okay, if you're going to give me acres of space, I'm going to take it. Dribbles himself, just walks up to the 18-yard line, mm-hmm. uh, takes a shot, Connor Cable spills it, and Bartman's there to clean it up, and uh, that's all we needed. And I'm going to go to the third round. Yeah, 3-0, the final. Um, you mentioned, Rob, getting to see some guys that we haven't seen much of, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the the extra layer to these Open Cup matches, especially against lower division opponents. Obviously, the first thing you want to do is win, mm-hmm. but there's a whole other layer of of managing the roster and giving this mm-hmm. opportunity to the guys, um, you know, for them to see the field that maybe they wouldn't normally get against an Omaha or a Greenville or a Chattanooga or yep. any relatively close league match right yeah um so obviously you want to get the w you want to move on that's that's priority one but you also need to make sure that you're using this opportunity while the open cup is important and obviously it's important to a team like madison to advance far in the open cup where do you rank that over finishing high in the league and and make sure that you know you're, you're prioritizing league matches so you want to make sure you use this as an opportunity to get those guys some playing time that you might not normally mm-hmm. see and you know it's important for them that if they get called upon in a league match whether it's an injury or whatever well they've gotten on the field in the open cup right yep um and, 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 and shown that they can play yeah and shown that they can play and shown that they can do something and it's a big opportunity for the players as well to that point rob to to get yep. on the field and show show their worth and show that they can do something. So yeah, Heath Martin, Carl Schneider, two examples of guys that they got to see the field. Um, I couldn't really single out anybody that that um, stood out in a negative way to me. I think everybody who mm-hmm. saw the field provided some some good quality and value to the team. So that was really good to see um, as it you know pertains to the Mingo's depth moving forward as well. And Phil Reno after the match, I talked with him about the. Uh, um, <clears throat> about the team and about the depth. Uh, and he said specifically that these guys on the training ground are making it hard on Matt Glazer to put together a lineup. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the difference between the number one and the number two guy at a lot of these positions is really narrow. Uh, and, and that everybody's ready to step up and pitch in when called upon. And we should also mention, we don't even, we, we still haven't seen the full uh, squad here. We still haven't seen Drew Connor. He's still carrying a knock. Millet Tamuya and, uh, Alvin Jones have just arrived in the last week or two, and they're still getting up to speed and fit. So, uh, you know, the, the, we can comment on the excellent depth we've seen so far, and there's more depth coming, especially in the back line. So that's uh, really exciting uh, to look ahead for the season. Absolutely. So you go from the 3-0 win in Cleveland to the weekend where you take on Union Omaha, who has been a, you know, is starting to develop a rivalry with this team. If there's a, a rivalry mm-hmm. in, in USL League One, um, I think Madison and Omaha is kind of right up there at the top of the list as a uh, matchup you yep. can say is a rivalry in <laughs> it, this it league. Is. Yeah, three three matches now, uh, three years rather. Um, you know, we're going into a third year of Omaha being in the league, and never has there been a Union Omaha versus Madison match decided by more than one goal. It's, they've it's always crazy. been really, really matched. And I was to say, there was a good contingent of Omaha fans at this match. 
Uh, they, they, brought, they brought a couple dozen supporters up and they were noisy and singing in the corner as well, which was really fun to see. Um, but it yeah, was a much nicer night was. also that, that 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 Wednesday match was uh was nasty rain and, and gross and cold, and the Saturday night was much nicer, <laughs> much more pleasant yes. to stand outside with the flock. Uh, but I, I will say that this match against Omaha, like I said, it's a rivalry match. It got chippy at times. It got a little rough. But it was a gritty and resilient performance from the Mingos. And that's one of the things we talks about a lot is, is that resilience yeah. and that character. To go down twice, come back twice, salvage a point against the league champions. Uh, you feel pretty decent about that at the end of the night. Yeah. And this is this this really started, though, you know, uh, all Omaha in the early going. I mean, it was the first was 20 right minutes. Off, yeah. Right off the opening kick. It was just full go for mm-hmm. for the Owls. Um, Madison very much on their heels. Um, you have in, in the notes here that it was not a tactical decision to sit no. back against Omaha. Sometimes every once in a while, if you know you're pay- playing a team with a lot of pace, you'll actually decide we're going to stay behind the ball for 15 minutes, let them run themselves out a little bit and then start to build. I asked Matt that, and he kind of laughed and said, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> that was not what we were planning on doing. Uh, but they did end up having yeah. to absorb that pressure for a good uh, 15, 20 minutes, and he, there's just only so long you can do that. They defended well the first, like, 15 minutes, but just um, you know, if you keep they keep banging on the door, one's going to go in, and one did. It was a little bit lucky. Honestly, The the um, yeah. their first goal wasn't a beautiful goal. Uh, Connor Doyle kind of flicks a ball into the box. Noe Meza... I'm not sure if he intended for it to go where it went or if it just kind of, it looked like it just kind of spun off the side of his foot, mm-hmm. but lucky for them, it, it fell right to Hugo Kamatani who um, take nothing away from his finish. It was a very nice finish. Uh, yep. He's got Mitch Osmond draped over his back, but his manages to get himself turned and, put, and puts enough pace on it to get it past Bruno and uh, not the start you had wanted. And Osmond no. was pretty upset at himself for letting that one go, but um yeah. But like I said, I mean, look, you, you, you give them you give up that much pressure, one's going to go in probably at some point. Yeah, exactly. Um, and a team like Omaha is going to take advantage of those chances for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did think that Doyle flick into the box was nice off the outside of the foot. I mean, it's a dangerous ball at the very least. Um, and it right. does do, take that really weird deflection off of Mesa where it's just a small deflection off the foot. Um, mm-hmm. And I, like you said, a really, really good um, finish there from Caminetti. So, um you go down one nil, but in the 35th, yep. you you get the opportunity. Uh, AWO makes an Aaron Rodgers-like back shoulder pass from the center yeah. circle all the yep. way to the corner. Um, and, of course, Derek Gebhardt uh, blows right by Ryan Jeeba. Um, and just a, like, just a, a Derek Gebhardt-like move. I mean, this is really yeah. Gebhardt when he's at his best on yes. the ball. Like this is this. Derek Gebhardt, how that real stuff, for sure. Yeah off you know just just really really good stuff on the ball here um those right by ryan jiba um and uh he gets he gets taken down he earns that penalty um Mm -hmm. deep in the box and um that wasn't the first time we would see a really really good uh, opportunity from gebhardt specifically but in this case saudi jepson who steps up and takes the pk and knew who dives the wrong way uh and it levels the match interesting here that knew who was actually like pointing to the side he was going to dive to while yeah, he was standing he was, on the line. Did you see that? Was, that was very interesting. Trying to make a little playing. psyched out move, but yeah, he's a work. terrific goalie. He's yep. a, he's a, he's one of the best in the in the league, uh, and he's you know playing his games a little bit. He took his time getting to the line. He's clapping. He's chirping. He's pointing. I'm going left. You ready? I'm going left. You know, like you say. Uh, but Audie Jepson, I think sometimes there's a there's a danger in a high pressure situation 
to overthink a penalty, you know, and yeah. just had to be too cute about it. Now he just stepped up and just hammered it. Like, even if Duhu had gone the right way, I don't think he would have got it. Like, I mean, he, it was a really, really well taken. Penalty. It was a rocket. Absolutely. Yeah, it was beautifully yeah. taken. And I will say also, there was another chance uh, a few minutes earlier than that that Duhu made an, uh, an excellent save on. And it seemed to me in the 20 minutes leading up to that goal, that conceding the goal early actually did energize the Mingos a little bit. They did they did look much brighter, much more uh, cohesive, much more forward thinking after they conceded that goal. You'd rather have that before you concede a goal, okay? But <laughs> they did bounce back. <laughs> they did not hang their heads after giving up that goal. I'll say that, and they did start to look much much better after conceding. And, but then, yeah. and then they earned it, and they earned the, the reward they get. Then is they they level equalize in thirty six minutes. And then, well, you do what you just <laughs> can't do, Rob. You just yep. can't concede, bef- like in in first half stoppage time. That is like the cardinal yep. sin. Yep. Um, and and it, and it happens. Um, really, a mostly harmless looking cross that comes in. Bruno tries yep. to go yep. grab it, but JP Skears' head beats him to it. Yep. Um, and it just kind of again just kind of trickles in. Not really any um any real oomph behind the the header. Right. It right. Just, there was no there was nobody on the goal line, so it just sort of mm-hmm. rolls in. Mm-hmm. Um you almost thought there might have been a whistle or something, the way it just sort of just just rolled in like that. But yeah, um, a, a rare, rare error by Brino. Um yeah. something you don't normally see from him, but it does concede the goal, and all of a sudden you go from level to, to down to one and a half. Yep, and, and not a not a terrible error. Like you see a cross coming in, you're a confident big goalie. You know he's a, he's a tall guy. He, he, you feel like he should be able to catch that, and that's what he's trying to do. It just snuff it out and run out the half. Uh, but if he does, if he recognizes scarce is there, and stays back, like it's an easy save. Yeah. So it's a split second decision. You don't want to second guess him too much. Hindsight's it's always twenty twenty, obviously. But I think he, I think he would tell you that that was a mistake to come out and try to grab that. Try to grab that. Yeah. Um, but um, you do go in two one, yeah. um, and I guess you you do make a couple halftime subs here to try to change it up too. You bring Jeremiah Strang and Cyrus Rod on for mm-hmm. Nazim Bartman and Cesar Murillo. Um, and in the seventieth minute. Fourth official already has the board up indicating that Derek Gebhardt is coming off at the next stop. Um, I I didn't actually not see that the board was up on the broadcast. They had mentioned mentioned on the broadcast that he was up and getting ready to come in, but I did not see. They they, they were next stop. He was coming out. We were at at the, in the press box, like the, the, the four Madison social media people had the graphics ready to go. They were, it was Mm -hmm. like the guy, the, the, the board was up with number 17 to come off. Uh, yep. At the whatever the next stoppage was, and um, mm-hmm. uh, Omaha chips, you know, basically a very poor clearance that kind of chips way up in the air, and everybody thought it was going out of bounds, but it must have had some backspin on it. I think he kind of sandwiched it a little bit, and it, as soon as the ball hit the ground, it spun back on toward into the center, and uh, Derek was you know right there and very alertly picked up that ball on the sideline and got you know he's so fast it only takes him two touches and he's two yards clear of a defender he's all on his own in the corner and puts in a lovely cross pretty a low cross it wasn't it wasn't like a very high one that you'd have to look for a head but it was a nice low cross as it's coming across abdubaki jam gets just leveled yeah like he gets upended like charlie brown style his feet are up in the air it was 
<laughs> but the ball finds uh, Jeremiah Strang in his chest, and uh, he pulls it back to the right, two touches to get space, and then whirls himself all the way around to shoot back against his body. Because yeah. as Nuhu is Nuhu is basically following the ball, right? And Strang does the spin and buries it in the other in the opposite corner from where his momentum is going, which is just a tremendous amount of skill and power to put to be able to spin like that and put enough juice behind the ball to get it in. Just yeah. a tremendous goal. I, yeah, I mean, just a, a really, really like very, very high degree of difficulty goal. Yes. Yeah. Um, just again to go from your back almost completely turned to goal to turn mm-hmm. like that, and basically you either know from experience where you need to put it to get to the bottom corner or you're going by 0.0001 seconds of seeing the goal <laughs> before yeah. your foot makes contact with it. Either way, um, yeah. just a, a really, really nice finish in the bottom corner um, to bring the Mingo's level again. Um, and then it's sort of back and forth a little bit, a lot in the midfield for, mm-hmm. kind of for the rest of this one. But then – my goodness. Um, they almost so did it again. They almost gave almost it up again it. in stoppage time. <laughs> was almost completely out from under the bed yep. here. My goodness. So yeah. uh, 90 plus five in three minutes of, of given stoppage time. Which right, right. Here we Scarce go went down. Yeah, Scarce went down in, in <laughs> stoppage time uh, and yeah. does not seem to have been faking it. That was like he was legitimately mm-hmm. injured. Um so that added in a couple more minutes. So we're like, like you say, about 90 plus five. Yep. And Roger Smith actually got a shot on goal. Not a particularly hard shot, but just a, enough to have all the play down at Omaha's end. And knew who mm-hmm. picked it up and, and put it back in play. And then it's bounding around, sort of pinballing on heads in the midfield for a minute. And, um, and then uh, uh, Ryan Jiba, again, makes a nice overlapping run to get in behind Cesar Murillo takes a through ball and, and puts it just on a plate uh, and Brino is guarding his near post. It gets by him. Um, Caminetti is standing there all, you know, in front of the goal, in front of an open goal, a yard away. And Roger Smith, mm-hmm. who I would remind you just had the shot on goal at the other end is there and clears it up over the bar, which I, I don't know how he doesn't score an own goal there. Yeah. I was okay. thinking the same thing when that happened too. Yeah. I was like, it's, is it skill there? To be able to chip I, that yes, over I the bar so. to make sure. Okay. I, so. I oh don't my think gosh. It, was, it was desperate and it was wild and it was uh, the ball's coming in and the goal is being tallied and Omaha is about to win this game and Roger Smith gets a toe on it and pokes it up over the bar from about a yard and a half away. Which yeah. you can see. And then Bruno's reaction then, said it all. Yeah. After yeah. Bruno grabbed him by the shirt and was like, oh, you know, <laughs> it was just fantastic. <laughs> uh, but that saved the game. I mean, that saved a point. Which could be, mm-hmm. which is very important to do, not only from a from the table perspective, but just from a, a psychological perspective to say we came back twice and we got a point out of this match and did not let our backs get broken at the very end, right? And did not disappoint these twenty six hundred fans that came out here, um, <laughs> which was fantastic from from Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then absolutely. and then of course they, they were able to uh, there was there's one last corner, they were able to clear that out. Um, the, Enriquez, Christian Enriquez was able to really push uh, Emir Ali Hazik was trying to poke his way back in uh, and Enriquez was able to hold him out at the midfield and and then and, and finally the, the whistle went 
and that was it. And uh, we said, what's the point? And the point was, I, I think the draw was the way the match went, the deserved result. Oh, yeah. Um, it really was a stalemate at both mm-hmm. ends. Uh, Madison did have a large percentage of the possession, 68%, mm-hmm. and nearly twice as many passes. Or, excuse me, more mm-hmm. than twice as many passes, I should say. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, that really isn't an indicator of of dominance or or which way the game was leaning. Really, no. That was that was a that was that was a. It was good possession by Madison, but it's also good mm-hmm. defending by Omaha, and it was a tactical yeah. decision by Omaha to yeah, exactly. How the teams play, so right. Uh, so. I, Matt, Matt did say after the game that they, he feels like they should have won. He feels like the two goals that they conceded were pretty cheap. And, uh, and, and his, and he and several of the players were like, yeah, we got it next time around. We, this is a game we got to win. Uh, but yeah. you know, give it, give them credit for, for giving up those cheap goals and then not hanging their heads about it. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, Andrew, uh, Andrew Wheeler Omenu said, uh, in, in, in at halftime, um, there was, uh, both Mitch Osmond who had the captain's armband as well as Eric Leonard, the, the veteran, uh, were really, you know, after, like you said, conceding that goal in first half stoppage time. We're really um, pushing hard to get to keep the spirits up and to keep the heads up and to keep to get them back out and fighting, which is exactly what they did. And this is the first time we really got to see this new look Omaha team after losing so mm-hmm. many guys to, to higher divisions in the offseason. I mean, yes, you play the the U.S. Open Cup match against Des Moines, but we already kind of discussed the the way the mm-hmm. roster and the way the the decisions might be different there from a personnel perspective. So mm-hmm. in terms of a league play and in terms of, you know, what this team's, you know, first team really looks like and kind of what that first choice squad really looks like and how they perform, this was that first indicator of it. And uh, I thought they, they were, they played really well. Um, I thought mid uh, from a midfield perspective, they were a little sloppy. Both teams were, uh, yeah. but they took their chances. Um, I, I thought that first goal, the, the, the finish was really good. And obviously you take advantage of, uh, Madison mistake right before halftime to get that uh, to go ahead as well. So um, there's a lot of question marks coming into the season on where a team like Omaha would fall on the table because mm-hmm. of losing so many guys and needing to replenish that roster. And I, I think they proved, um, you know, getting a road point against Madison, getting up in multiple occasions. Um, they probably feel like they should have gotten three points out of this match too. Um, yep. That they're they're back and they'll they'll be right there. In oh yeah. Twenty two yeah, as well. Sure. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I do want to mention that we mentioned a couple of the, the long balls and, and you also mentioned the, uh, the passing uh, stats that Madison had just way more passes, but we also had 80.3% passing accuracy, which is not something we saw in the first match, uh, first league mm-hmm. match. Um, <clears throat> the, the passing was much sloppier, especially in the first half of the first game. We, we just could not hold the ball at all. Uh, we're, we're taking the, um, the shorter, easy passes for the most part, but, uh, one of the things that was frustrating much of last season, as well as that first league match, was the the long balls to nobody. Uh, mm-hmm. That drives me crazy at every level of soccer when you when you're trying to yeah. trying to send runners. I get the idea, uh, but it, if you can if you can sort of from the back kind of skip over the middle third and create an attack with one pass, like sure why not? But you have to. That's it, a very specific skill set to actually pull that off. Right. Mm. It's, it's, it's fine to talk about it as a tactical idea, but, uh, but you have to be able to pull it off. And Madison did in their second match of the season, they were actually able to pull that off, which is fantastic. There were a couple that didn't, you're not going to see on the stat sheet, but there were a couple of, um, Matthias Cassini had a, a, a massive switch of play from, from the right back s- sort of 
spot all the way to the left attacking third, like all the way across the field diagonally, right on a dime to Cesar Maria, or to, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. to Mikey Maldonado. It was a, a just it, like it was a in the in the press box among all the staff of Fort Madison. There was there was like a oh what a pass yeah. that was, you know. It, it it just really smart send smart uh, passes that actually hit where they're supposed to be can be a massively lethal weapon going forward. And it's, it's really great, nice to see that starting to click. You also mentioned the the Aaron Rodgers like back shoulder pass that Andrew did to, to Derek Gephardt to create this Madison's first goal. It was on a dime over his shoulder where it wasn't going to get intercepted. You know, it was, and it was from the center circle all the way into the corner. It was a long pass and it was a very, very well placed, perfectly weighted pass. And I love to see that. I'm, I'm quite optimistic uh, if we can get get the short passes down as well as the long ones, I'm I'm very happy. All right, um, a couple more notes on this before we sort of look ahead. Um, yep. Substitutions, pl- plentiful substitutions for this team. It's a testament to the depth mm-hmm. um, that players and staff have felt like they've built with this squad. Um, mm-hmm. Really getting in multiple guys. I, I I'm a big proponent of if you have the horses, put as many of them on the field as possible. Yeah. Saves legs, gives yep. gives your team a new look, allows it the opportunity to maybe mix up formations and, and things like that. Gives the defense something new to think about. I mm-hmm. love utilizing the substitutions you're given. Um, and uh, I think Matt Glazer has done, or personally done a really good job of that over the yeah. years. Matt. Yep. And, and and you see guys making impacts when they come in. Mikey Maldonado came in in the second half and made an immediate impact. Um, and and I, I never, I, I get the idea that you don't want to disrupt what you have. You put in a lineup out there, you just let them play for the 90 minutes and you don't want to disrupt it. On the other hand, what's the point of putting somebody in and disrupting it in the 88th minute? You know, yeah. I just, I never understand that. So, uh, and it seems like, I, I don't know if he would actually say this or not, but it seems like these substitutions are kind of planned and strategic and he knows who he's putting in at halftime. Mm-hmm. He knows he's, he knows who is going to have one hour and then get replaced. And the, it's just very smart and very strategic. And I, I love to see it. Like you say. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned around 2,600 at Bree Stevens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we know that's a little bit lower than the, than the capacity and what we've seen at times. Um, obviously early in the season, you know, um, weather, although it was a lot better on Saturday, still isn't, you know, full summer weather yeah. quite yet. We're yeah. probably still about a month away from that at least, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it would be good to, you know, really take advantage of the home atmosphere and try to make that. Yeah. Place safe. It would. And, and we, I want to be clear that we're not, the, the, the club ticket sales office is not an advertiser, right? We're not shilling for them, but I just, mm-hmm. I, I, I miss the atmosphere of 2019 where there's 4,500, 5,000, 5,500 fans, uh, casuals, you know, the, the, the flock end is rocking. Like the, the flock is, yeah. there, they're turning oh, 100%. out. 100%. Yeah. You can it's hear the, them loud and clear in the broadcast. Yep. yep. It's the, it's the casuals. And I think for the listeners of this podcast, they're probably not casuals, right? <laughs> you guys are, yep. in it. Uh, but bring a friend. Encourage your friends to come to, to get tickets. They're not that terribly expensive. Uh, it's a great game day atmosphere. The game day atmosphere and the game day experience has improved. The, yep. the the fan zone behind the flock end is much nicer and cleaner and more orderly than it was last year. There's more food options. Uh, and it's just a great atmosphere. And this team has a lot to it. And this team is very exciting. Uh, so come on out and support them, guys. Absolutely. All right. Coming up, away at Tucson. Um, Tucson has had kind of an up and down year um and that's tonight by the way if you're listening 9 p.m central um fell to richmond four nil in the oh excuse me saturday Saturday. Saturday. i'm sorry i'm reading the wrong thing here (laughs) saturday 
9 p.m. Central. Uh, yep. The Loons are next Wednesday. Okay, boom. Yes. Here we go. We're back. Uh, so Tucson fell to Richmond 4-0 in their opener, but then beat USL Championships Las Vegas Lights in the U.S. Open Cup. So um, about as up and down as you could probably get <laughs> yeah. in your first yeah. two matches in terms from a Who peak knows? and valley standpoint. So maybe they'll uh, balance it out a little bit, reach a middle ground against uh, against Madison. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in any case, um, Tucson has been a place where um, at least last year Ford Madison, I believe in their opener, they were able to get a draw um, mm-hmm. in uh, in Tucson in 2021. Um, so we'll see how this Tucson team is in, in, in 22, but um, uh, seems to be, especially the way the first league match went, uh, a good opportunity for three points on the road for the Mingos. One hopes, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the one that everybody's talking about next Wednesday, April 20th, home to Minnesota United. Um, that Ooh. is the third round of the U.S. Open Cup, uh, about as ideal of a matchup as you can get um, from both perspectives. Um, you know, I'm here in Minnesota. I'm, I'm big into the uh, Minnesota United community here. And they, Moons fans here, are stoked that this game is actually in Madison and not at, at at Allianz because it just, it's a new place to go. Um, A lot of the Minnesota United fans really, you know, they see forward Madison as sort of a continuation of what Minnesota United used to be pre MLS Mm -hmm. kind of the the cool factor, the, the lower league club uh, doesn't, you know, doesn't have to play to the corporate rules, you know, so to speak, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it really is, uh, I think, a really cool thing. And the fact that it's in Madison, I think, makes it so much better. Um, and I think everybody from the Minnesota United and Ford Madison sides, I think everybody, players, coaches, fans, uh, media members, you know, whatever, I think everybody is is really, really excited for this one. I think it's just – I think it's going to be a big night in, in the – the the soccer communities in both areas yeah it is and it's 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 fun to me i i love i love this tournament uh i would have loved it if uh, it used to be that the mls teams didn't come until the fourth round mm-hmm. i would uh i wouldn't have minded playing like loose city was in our group we might have been able to play loose city uh mm-hmm. but i'm excited uh i'm thrilled and, and it, it i'm excited too that minnesota united at least from what i've seen and what you're telling me uh they're, they're taking it seriously that they're not saying yep. this as an easy. We're just going to go down there and win. Uh, it, this is a it, and and, and how, whatever the result goes, like the Madison players and fans are going to have to know that they're sharing a field with the top flight side who takes them seriously and who's going to have yep. to beat them. Like you're going to, I think Madison is in a position where they're going to say, "Okay, you're going to come to our place, and if you want to move on to the fourth round, you're going to have to beat us because we're yep. not going to." allow it to happen quite that easily and i think next week on the pod we will dig into this game uh, you know more specifically preview this match a little yep. more in detail next week yeah absolutely but it's going to be fun um i don't know as of as of now rob i haven't seen that tickets are sold out i know they've went i know they're on sale they went on sale, on sale. Yep. i don't know that they're sold out yet uh, as, as, as of tuesday afternoon the, the club is still pushing them on social media so it doesn't seem okay. like they're sold out Okay, perfect. But I mean, these are going to go fast. There's a, there's a lot of away interest in these guys. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you're on the fence as a Ford Madison home supporter fan, casual um, about going to this match, um, I imagine as the match gets closer and people in Minnesota start to sure up transportation and whatever, mm-hmm. 
that those tickets are going to get swiped up pretty quick. So if you want to have that home field advantage and be that fortress and, you know, give Minnesota United everything that you have um, and give the Mingos as big of a boost as you possibly can, if you're a Ford Madison fan, do not hesitate to get those tickets because the away interest I know for a fact is there. There are buses being booked. There are hotel rooms being booked. There are, there are a lot of things happening where I think those, those tickets could be swiped up by a lot of Minnesota supporter Minnesota supporters pretty quickly. So yeah. go and get those and, if you're a and, fan. And just to, just to lay out very explicitly the magnitude of this match, this is the first time ever that a top flight team from anywhere is coming to Madison to play a competitive mm-hmm. match. They've been here for friendlies. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exhibitions, you know, the, the German sides come over for the preseason. Minnesota United came down for a friendly in 2019. But this is a competitive match. This is a match that both sides really want to win. Uh, and, and it's the first time this ever happened. So you, you're going to want to be there. Absolutely. And again, that's Wednesday, April 20th, um, 6 p.m. kickoff time. Yep. Um, and uh, again, we will preview that in depth next week here on the podcast. Um, all right, let's go around the league here. What happened this past weekend, Rob? Charlotte Independence 3, Central Valley Fuego 3. Um, Central Valley Fuego scores goals, man. Like, wow. Like, it's even crazy. though they, they did not get a dominant win as they have in their first couple matches, I believe this is their third straight match scoring at least three goals. Um, uh, yeah. Sure. Well, yeah. Well, it's scoring at least yeah. two. They, what, their first game was 2 0. You're right. Okay. Yeah. 4 to 1, and then it's 3 3. But this game, Charlotte was ahead 2 to 1 in the 81st minute of this one. Yeah. And <laughs> we have three goals back and forth in the last 10 minutes, including a 90 plus 5 winner, uh, 90 plus 6 uh, equalizer, rather. Uh, Vilyan Bijev scores on a cheeky little chip. Oh, like oh, he's back to the goal. He chips it over himself and over the goalkeeper and in to yeah. earn a, a draw on the road. In that one, it's just a wild match. Um, yeah. And then uh, Richmond and Northern Colorado also uh, come to a draw. Uh, this is Northern Colorado's first league match. Uh, they're fresh off beating the Colorado Switchbacks of the championship in their first ever match in the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, but they get a goal from uh, former Omaha Owl, Ethan Benacor-Decker. And then, of course, who else but Emilio Terzaghi equalizes for Richmond. Every and, week. Uh, every, every week he's mentioned on this podcast. We should just we, – we can just leave his name on the notes here and just Honestly. assume it'll be – it'll happen. Uh, I got I to <laughs> give a shout-out to – we'll get to our shout-outs later, but I want to mention Richmond and their throwback green kits looking amazingly good. Yeah, um, and then awesome. the only match of the night of the weekend – that did not end in a draw. Uh, Chattanooga bounces back from its draw against Madison uh, to win over North Carolina FC three to one. Uh, North Carolina scored in the first half, and then Chattanooga scored three goals in a ten-minute period, starting at the hour mark uh, to take this one uh, in uh, in North Carolina. And uh, around Wisconsin, we got the Milwaukee Wave, and their season ended in the uh, MASL playoffs. Uh, 9-2 defeat at home in the first leg and a 9-3 defeat away in the second leg to San Diego. So they bow out um, in the Arena League playoffs. Isthmus City FC and Milwaukee Serbians got the UPSL spring season underway at Madison College. Uh, Serbians won that one, an impressive 7-3 win. Um, They next host Round Lake Evolution April 23rd. And the Bavarians had their UPSL spring season opener postponed with no new date set yet, they will host SC Hammer this Saturday at Heartland Value Fund Stadium in Glendale. So those are that's what's happening around Wisconsin. Um, Rob, let's get to the interview. We haven't talked about the interview no. yet. 
on this on this podcast. But we have AWO himself, Andrew Wheeler Omiunu, uh, chatting with our very own Rob Chapel. So we will get to that, and then we will be back with our full Mingo shoutouts and wrapping it up as always with our full Mingo fun fact. Enjoy the interview. We'll be back on the other side. And joining us today, forward Madison midfielder Andrew Wheeler Amanu. How you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to join us. I know it's a busy time of year for a professional footballer, but can you, um, we, we basically kind of want to introduce you to the supporters, to the fans, to the Fort Madison community, and, and uh, you know, kind of get your thoughts early on in the season here. Uh, so what's your, uh, you know, give us, give us your 30 second pitch. What kind of, um, what kind of footballer are you and, and what do you bring into this club? Yeah. Well, first, thanks. Thanks very much for having me on uh, the podcast today. Um, yeah, I like to consider myself to be a hardworking midfielder. Um, I love to get box to box, but I also really love to protect the back line. I love to, I love to defend. Um, I love to tackle. And I, I do my best to try to always be an option for my, for my defenders, for my wingers, for my strikers uh, in pockets, trying to show up as much as I can. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm like a player that likes to be part of a team and be part of a team that's like pushing for, for excellence, pushing for improvement every week. And I, I'm, I feel like since I've been here, I've, I've felt that. So I'm grateful to be here. That's fantastic. Now we talked a little bit about this last week and this just occurred to me that in the equalizing goal at Chattanooga, you uh, started the possession way back in your own end. And then suddenly you were in the other end of the field in the box, creating that chance that led to Nazim's goal. How badly were your legs burning at that point? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, it's one of those things where like you just do it and you don't really feel your legs burning. Like, uh, huh. I, if you, I'm sure if you watch it back, it looks like I'm moving in slow motion uh, <laughs> or like I'm trying to drag myself down the field, which I am. But you don't feel that when you're doing it. You're just yep. like try to pick your legs up as much as you can and, and get there before how, the other guys. How cool was that moment, though? Oh, uh, it was awesome. I mean, it was, uh, I think, overall, uh, a less than ideal performance for us as a team. Um, so to get the tying goal in dramatic fashion in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a, a relief feeling that came over many of us. Um, it was, you know, the thing that impressed me the most is that you saw six, seven guys running 80 yards to track down a mm-hmm. ball, a, a player dribbling at the ball. Um, Caesar got the poke out of it. And yeah, I came away with the ball and, and made mm-hmm. my run. But then you saw, five, six guys get back into the box the other direction. So yeah, that's what was like so wonderful to be a part of, just like all-around commitment from the whole team. Um, along those same lines, when um, Audie Jepsen stepped up to take the penalty this past game uh, and, and, of course, buries it uh, in you know with authority, uh, there were 10 guys in the corner celebrating that goal together. Like, I, I'm without any – you know, disparagement on previous versions of this team. I, I'm not sure that we would have seen that before. seems like there's a lot of togetherness, a lot of cohesiveness, a lot of joy in this club. Is that what you're feeling in the locker room? No, absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of guys live together, whether it's in pairs or, or in threes. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I've 
from day one, like, there's a good attitude, there's a good mood, good atmosphere around the group. Um, everyone's been very welcoming, not only, like, from the player side, but, like, just the club as a whole. Like, I think there's a, a strong commitment from our staff, from the players, to make sure that, like, w- like we're embracing everybody, regardless of, like, what their opinions, personalities, preferences are. Um, and we're, it's not just an embracement, like it's an appreciation and enjoyment of those things. So mm. I think that just has cultivated an atmosphere that you're hopefully, as you've, you've noticed uh, in, in what you just said, that uh, will continue to demonstrate that because um, it's fun to be a part of for sure. Um, now, looking ahead now, uh, you've got a game this weekend at Tucson and then, then you got to get ready to gear up to play an MLS side in Minnesota United. Um, not without getting too far ahead, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm curious because you, you you've played at the many levels. You played at MLS. You played uh, in the championship for a few years. Um, it it seems to me as an outside amateur observer that the equality at the USL League One level, at the, maybe at the Division Three level more generally, has improved in the past couple of years, and that the difference between the championship and the or between the three tiers has collapsed a little bit. Is that um, do you, uh, do you feel that? Do you feel a big difference in, in the level of play between like Sacramento Republic last year versus Fort Madison this year? Uh, I think that the quality of players, uh, certainly from, I was part of League One in its, I believe it was its first year. Yeah, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, I was with FC Tucson for part of their campaign. And in terms of like the level of the league, the quality of the players in the league, I definitely believe that there's been and a, a massive improvement just in the four years or in the fourth year now of the league. Uh-huh. Um, I find that the talent level between players in the championship and league one are uh, quite similar. In my opinion, I think the big difference is the habits that people uh, partake mm-hmm. in on a day-to-day basis. And also the consistency of which those talents are, are demonstrated mm-hmm. um, and in their performances. Uh, in regards to the MLS level, I think from the fortune that I had in my two years in the MLS, um, I was on a very talented team mm-hmm. and I think the league has just even grown in the six years since I, uh, or five yeah. years since I started, uh, in mm-hmm. playing professionally, like the talent level in the MLS, in my opinion now is, I think there's a noticeable difference, um, between, the like the champ the championship league one and MLS um all those things in terms like consistency and habits of course like step up another level as well but uh yeah just from having some friends still in the league and observing watching many games because I I love watching football like yeah it's uh it's noticeable to me that like yeah the MLS is a that's it's a a different beast. So, so do do you get excited about an MLS team coming to Madison, or, or is that um, we're just going to take on whoever's in front of us? Uh, what's the difference between those questions? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, you you got to play an MLS side at your home stadium, right? Is yeah. That, is that like an additional level of excitement of getting up for that game, or is it like this is a tournament game? We're going to win it. Got right. you. Yeah, uh, I think the nature of like domestic tournaments is one of the most beautiful things about football in the yeah, world. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I, I have no idea where like the idea of domestic tournament started, but like it's a very American 
like process if you think about it like the underdog like anybody can win on any given day or any given sunday to to the cliche (laughs) quote like yeah it's um it's it's awesome so yeah like being an obvious underdog like i think there's a raised level of excitement but also we prepare and i know we will prepare the same way that we prepare for a a league match so Mm -hmm. the preparation is the same uh certainly feel like being the underdog all the sentiments that are usually attached to underdogs are probably will be we'll feel ourselves and we'll also probably be attached to us from whoever wants to talk about the the match pre like in the lead up um but i know like as a team speaking again to what you talked about in terms of like the camaraderie and the and and the attitude um that our group has had up to this point in my opinion like I think guys are going to be up for that challenge and excited about it. Fantastic. Right, well, we are very excited about it. I can tell you. Uh, uh, Ford Madison Twitter and Minnesota United Twitter are all abuzz about it. Um, you, you played for Matt Glazer in Sacramento, right? Yeah. Uh, so, and how has he been as a, how have you seen him evolve as from an assistant coach to a head coach? It's just, it, it seems like he's got kind of like uh, got full command of the whole thing. So uh, how, Talk about his uh, evolution and, and him as a as a manager. Yeah, I think he has a great demeanor about himself uh, and how he communicates with the players, communicates with his staff, um, how he like facilitates discussion within the group, encourages players to speak up. Like I think he's, uh, I in my opinion, he's a very intelligent person. He's a very intelligent soccer mind. Um, and I think he's using his intelligence to, to the fullest in order to understand that there's a lot of perspective that you have to consider before making decisions. Um, and I think he's doing a great job of trying to gather as much information as possible whenever he does make decisions. Um, and then when you make the decisions, being honest with the people who the decisions are affecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's done a great job of that. And so, in my opinion, like, because he has, since the day I met him as an assistant coach, but also now as a head coach, like, because he is giving uh, the respect that the players deserve when, you know, uh, interacting with them, mm-hmm. I think he's receiving that respect back from the group. Uh, and I think that's a, a positive thing. Um, it, this group is is far more experienced than previous um, groups in this in this club at, at, and at higher levels. Um, what does that do for? A, does that make it easier or harder to gel as a as a unit? And and what does that do in terms of just you know now in our third week we're hitting the ground running. Um, just that those you know all the, that those years of experience. I don't know if it makes it easier or harder to gel. I think a lot of factors go into a team finding um, cohesion. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can watch players at the highest level who have plenty of experience. Like, look at Italy's national team, who was <laughs> right. uh, like they, they were amazing yeah. in the Euros and deservedly so. Like, won the tournament, and then like they just couldn't figure out how to put the pieces together right. as a whole group. And it's like all those guys have plenty of experience and and ability. Yeah, it's similar with like uh, with Argentina with, throughout their history, like ability, talent, experience. So I don't know if it makes it easier or harder with, with the experience that we have here. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's really up to the to the people to people within the group to be as uh, 
level-headed as possible when assessing situations and trying to understand other people's perspectives, trying to collaborate uh, as much as you can on, on decisions that will affect the whole group and hopefully mm -hmm. everyone feels their input is respected. Um, and then hopefully that will lead to everyone having the mindset of like, okay, like no matter what's said, we're just trying to move the group forward. And that's everybody's goal at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. there's no offense to anything. Um, no one's, there's no ulterior motives. Like it's what can we do to get better as a group? Um, Matt talks a lot about uh, giving this team an identity or, or, you know, establishing a firm identity for this team. Uh, what has been communicated to you that th this identity is, is supposed to be and, and, and how are you um, how are you manifesting that? Or, or maybe maybe a better way to say this to you. What is the identity of this team to you? Or a team with some very talented footballers on our team uh, who I think we've demonstrated it in spells in the first on our first three games of the season. And hopefully we'll be able to extend the length of those spells as the season goes on. Yeah. Um, oh, I think we're going to play some really good football this year. I think we're going to score some really good goals this year. Um, some attractive attacking football. The other half of our identity that I think we have not found consistency on yet, but I know all of us are determined in, in continuing to implement that into our, uh, into our identity is our aggressiveness. Um, mm. I know our coach wants us to be an aggressive team. He wants us to be a hard team to play against. And we want that as well. And that goes back to, you know, trying to find our cohesion in the right ways um, and be, everyone being on the same page. Um, we've seen it throughout preseason, throughout the start of the season. Like when, when it does click and we all know what we're supposed to do, when we're supposed to go, uh, we're difficult to play against. Um, we just, we, we still got some work to do on, on that matter, on all matters, but, um, in terms of like our big identity pieces as a team, I think that's that's a big one where we still we still got some work to do. Um, all right, last thing I'll ask about uh, you're a, a bit of a, a crooner, I hear. Uh, <laughs> you got a little musical chops. Uh, is that something you do just kind of for fun around the house, or are you going to be like, are we going to see you on a, uh, at a bar somewhere at the piano? Man, if I was better, I would love to be at a bar somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, I. I joined an acapella group when I was in college and yeah. I was really fortunate to be accepted into the group through after the audition process. And I learned a lot from a lot of the people in that group. It was called Harvard Key Change uh, nice. was the name of the group. And we were R&B, neo-soul group. And there's just some beautiful like people in terms of like, like spirits and uh, personalities, but also beautiful voices in that group. And so... I learned a lot uh, about music from them. And then when I got out of college, I kind of tried to continue my, my education of, and love of music in a more, um, I guess, like with, with a little bit more direction. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, like I, I have a keyboard in my apartment, in my room, like I play keyboard, I sing, uh, but nothing, nothing, nothing like to write home about. That's what I would say. I just, it's just something that like calms me down. I love music and yeah. uh, and I enjoy it. Uh, well, it was enough for the, the MLS idol competition. Last Man, year. That was a, that was a blessing. Yeah. I was grateful that they actually like they, that they asked me to be a part of it. And then um, respect and, and testament to the, to the Sacramento fans during that time as well, because I know for sure that was a big reason for, for my success in, in that iteration of the, of the competition. So. Cool, man. Well, at some point, we'll, we'll try to talk you into 
coming on the podcast and giving us a little song, okay? Nah, yeah, let All me right. know. All right, we'll talk about it. <laughs> Andrew Wheeler, Amanu, for Madison midfielder. Thanks again so much for your time today, man. Thank you. All right, good luck at Tucson. Appreciate it. Big thanks again to AWOL, Andrew Wheeler Omiunu, the Mingo himself, first year with Ford Madison, of course, former MLS Cup winner uh, with the uh, with Atlanta United. Of course, brings a lot of that higher level experience to Ford Madison and uh, really, really gracious for his time um, on Talking Flock this week. Uh, but as always, we're going to wrap things up with our Flamingo shout outs and Flamingo fun facts. I will kick off the shout outs, Rob, and uh, I'm going with Audi Jepson. First off, PK goal against Omaha. USL League One Team of the Week honoree uh, this week as well. Well earned. Great match from him against Omaha. Um, and uh, yeah, he's kicking off the shout outs. Uh, good one for him. He's looking really, really strong. I got to say, he, I think he's bulked up a little bit in the offseason. He's looking bigger mm-hmm. to me. Uh, my first shout out is to Rojay Smith. Uh, when he came on as a substitute in the second half uh, for Derek Ebhart, uh, the, the, in the press box, everybody on, in the press box was just, just kept saying, wow, he is so quick. And he is, he is pacey, he's speedy. He's, uh, uh, sneaky. He's dangerous. He's sneaky fast. Like you don't, you don't expect him to get mm-hmm. the balls that he gets to. He, uh, created some chances in that Cleveland match, but in, uh, I'm giving him a shout out primarily for what we talked about at the very end of this match where he had a shot on goal, got all the way back for the goal line clearance to save the match. Uh, big yep. shout out to Rojay Smith. I'm really looking forward to watching him the rest of the season. Uh, my second one is for whoever's decision it was to change the camera positioning at Bree Stevens. Oh my goodness. The broadcast looks so, so much, much better. better. So much nicer. Like you're not, you don't feel like you're on the field <laughs> anymore, which, which <laughs> might, might sound like a good thing, but it's not when you can't see anything. You, you can't see the near right. touch line and you can't see the near corners. They're um, right there. Yeah. Yep. They they moved it to where the fans are now, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of gives you an interesting perspective. You see the cars driving by on the other <laughs> side. And you yep. can see into apartment windows and, and uh-huh. things like that. But um, it just gives you a much better perspective of the pitch. I actually feel like I'm watching an actual soccer broadcast and not somebody sitting on the the wall on their phone just trying to go back and forth. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's really good. Um, really good decision there. So yeah, I don't know if uh, Connor Kaloya is going to take uh, credit for that one or if it's somebody else, but really good decision to to switch sides there. It kind of stinks that you can't see the fans on the other side, but um, I will take that over being able to see the entire field every day. Yeah, there are, there are whole the whole corners that you can't see from the press box side because uh, it's just the, the press box is just right on top of the touchline, basically. So, yes, yep. brilliant decision by ESPN or Connor or whoever did that. Uh, my second shout-out for Mikey Maldonado has not gotten a lot of, on the score sheet yet. Like, you don't see a lot of stats for him, but he is everything we hoped that we would be able to replace Jiro, right? On the left-hand side, coming from the back, either as a, as a full left back or as a left wing back, to be able to take a ball all by himself, and push all the way up the field, create havoc, create chaos. Um, he was, he's been just, just dynamic. He, he really makes an impact on a match when he comes in. Um, I would like to see, tactically speaking, I would like to see the club be more intentional about building up the left-hand side. Whenever there's a, a buildup from the back, uh, it's almost always to the right. It's always from AWO 
over through Derek Ebhart and forward. And it almost becomes predictable at a certain point. I would love to see Mikey Maldonado more intentionally brought in as a, to, to build up rather than just marauding up himself. Uh, but that all that said, he is playing out of his mind. And I, he's just a really exciting dynamic player to watch. Definitely. Uh, my final shout out is for us soccer. Um, you, you cannot tell me that this Minnesota United forward match forward Madison matchup wasn't fixed. Uh, it was a quote unquote <laughs> random draw, but yeah. come on, come on. They, they did the same with Greenville and Charlotte, um, Detroit and Columbus and Madison, Minnesota. Like, it's almost I, I, like, I love the fact that you have lower league sides hosting MLS sides in the third round. I think That's that perfect. is such yeah. a cool dynamic, but I also think that it was an intentional move by us soccer to to make these matchups the way they were i'm just, I'm just, I'm just the I'm very best the very best kind of conspiracy conspiracy theory yes absolutely, like a lot. absolutely. <laughs> uh my third and final shout out is uh, jeremiah strang uh he took a took a little bit to get fit uh he didn't he he did impact that first match uh at uh at chattanooga although not as much as one would have hoped but this one he would he had a massive impact when he came in um he, he's he's strong in the box. He's uh, creative. Um, he, he's versatile. He's thinking all the time. You can see that. And then that that finish, like you mentioned, was just so perfect. And uh, you know, he's new in town. He's uh, doing the country. He's on loan. Uh, it'd be very easy for him to just come and say, "I'm going to put in my time and, and not be invested." But you can t- talking to him after the match. He's invested in this club. After he yeah, scored, he went over to the flock end, started to throw his hands up and down, like, get, let's get loud, guys. Let's just go out. He, you know, we didn't mention they were wearing the United for Ukraine shirts. Yes. Uh, how do we not we mention give, that? That's, we should, give, we should yes. give the club, the whole club, a shout out for that. Uh, the shirts yeah. looked amazing. And to make the donation to the UNICEF for Ukraine and, and sell them globally for the Ukraine Red Cross, really, really smart, really uh just that just tells you what this club is about, but he just yep. he went over the, he scored, he goes over to the flock end, he gets them all riled up. He points to his chest and he's holding the shirt down and said, United for Ukraine, uh, making a statement. And um, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, after this match, I really, really like him. I think this is very yeah. exciting. There's a lot of new, new pieces to be excited about. I mean, you have, oh, yeah. you have three right here, Roger Smith, Mikey Maldonado, Jeremiah Strang. Like it's, it's, it's exciting to see not only just, just these, guys show their quality but how they're fitting together on the pitch right we yeah. finally i think in this last in this last omaha match in the second half really got to see some fluid, fluidity and consistency and cohesiveness with this team and it's really it it's, makes me optimistic that this is happening you know so early right i mean yeah. again yeah. it's not as if they're all completely 100% gelling and it's just going to be off to the races from here but I'm seeing more positive signs from a cohesiveness standpoint than I maybe anticipated seeing this early in the season. Um, and I think going back to, uh, I think a conversation we had with Andrew Schmidt a couple of weeks ago about the buy-in from the guys on this team. Mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. a testament to that. You can tell these guys are bought in and they're playing for the club and they're not just playing for themselves to get themselves up to that next step in their career. They're playing for the team and, and they want, they want this team to be successful and they want to be part of this community too. Yeah, and can I mention one other thing that I thought of that uh, when when Jepson scored the penalty, all ten field players went over and made a huddle in the corner. All ten. I don't think we would have seen that last year. And in the middle of that, ten guys: Eric, uh, Eric uh, Leonard, and 
Mitch Osmond were both just, I don't know what they were shouting, but they were shouting. They were excited. They were trying to fire the guys up. It was, and it was just this cohesiveness that I just, we, we didn't see at all in the last couple of years. That it was just really promising. Definitely. All right. That does it for the shout outs this week. Um, we think we gave about a total of uh, eight or nine shout outs this week, Rob, but uh, yeah, bonus shout outs, deserved, everybody. Yep. Deserved all the way around. Um, <laughs> and now let's go with our Flamingo fun fact as we head out of here, Rob. Mm-hmm. Only one man played in the most, the two most recent consecutive U.S. Open Cup matches in Madison. Now, those were 11 years apart. Uh, in uh, wow. th- this this uh, this past week, when they hosted Cleveland, that was the first U.S. Open Cup match that Ford Madison hosted. The last time a U.S. Open match, a U.S. Open Cup match was hosted in Madison was the 19- Madison 56ers versus. Chicago Fire PDL, and that was in 2011. And on the field for the 56ers was current for Madison defender Carl Schneider. Wow, who is from Madison, went to Lafayette High School, played for the 56ers uh, growing up. Which is when, when you know, if you're from Madison, the 56ers is the club you always wanted to be on. <laughs> that that mm. I never even thought about trying out for because I knew I wasn't good enough. Uh, but Carl played for them in the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, back in 2011, and then uh, 11 years later, downing the pink and the blue for uh, Ford Madison. That is a great fun fact, Rob. I'm gonna I'm gonna applaud you for that one. That is Thank that you. is, that is <laughs> golf golf claps uh, in honor of uh, coming off Masters weekend. I give you a golf clap. Here you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Big thanks to AWO, Andrew Mueller, Omiunu for coming on the show. Big thanks to all of you for listening. Big thanks to Ford Madison for being a team that we can discuss and talk about and uh playing some exciting soccer and of course rob chapel big thanks to you and everything you do to help us but also all your work at madison 365 as well thank you jeremy all right have a good one guys we'll be back next week previewing the mingos and the loons here on talking flock until then enjoy the matches or i guess only one match tucson on saturday enjoy that one we'll be back next week.